Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jones. He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Hughes, Simon Mann having a little holiday, but... No shortage of guests on this show, and we have a very special guest today. We're in the throes, of course, of the South African tour of England with T20s and ODIs underway and, of course, the Test Series to follow. And my guest today is a very, very great cricketer from South Africa. And I know he'll blush when I say this, but arguably he is one of the greatest cricketers who never played Test cricket, certainly in the modern era. It is, of course, Vincent van der Beel, who was a very, very fantastic bowler in the 1970s and early 80s. Your career timed exactly with, unluckily for you, the period when South Africa were isolated from international cricket. So you never got the chance to play test cricket. But I'm just going to read out your stats, Vinny, because you took in one season of county cricket, playing for Middlesex with me, and of course it was my first season in county cricket, 1980, you took 85 wickets in county championship cricket at an average of 14.72. Astonishing. Right at the top of the national averages for that season. We, of course, won the county championship and what was then called the Gillette Cup, which is now the Nat West, or was then called the Nat West Trophy. It's now the rather slightly devalued Royal London Cup, the longer version of the one-day cup. We won that competition as well, very much influenced by you. And over your career, and I say, you know, you were one of the greatest cricketers never played test cricket. Over your career, first-class career, 767 wickets at an average of 16.5 playing in South African Curry Cup, etc. Now, okay, for context, I've got Joel Garner's stats up here from first class cricket. And Joel Garner, generally reckoned to be one of the finest fast bowlers who ever lived, similar to you in that he had uh, a similar height, six foot seven, and also pace. 
and his stats were 881 first class wickets at 18.5 compared to yours 767 at 16.5 so that just gives you a bit of context for how good a bowler you are um that's a long introduction but let's hear from you uh, look back at your your playing career first i mean why why were you so good it's just almost by accident you know my dad played for south africa he was a batsman wicketkeeper a bit like me a bit cumbersome you know he was um not very sleek like uh, brett lee or Lennon donald so i had to work with those disadvantages i wasn't like joel garner joel garner you saw mccully he was fantastic he was very lithe and had a wonderful physique i was always as you remember but chubby um and so what i had to work on i think were three things the, the only qualities i think i had was accuracy i had bounce i didn't swing the ball enormously and obviously if you pitch the seam the ball seems so that's everyone does that and the last one i found i found my love of cricket was in the psychological game you had out there as a bowler with the batsman of working out the guy's faults and weaknesses and developing plans without a coach and without a bowling coach and without a physical coach and to be honest here without a physiotherapist or a doctor you just sort of went, went on it with your group around you and we were lucky in South Africa because I played with Mike Proctor and Barry Richards Pat Trimborn Trevor Goddard um, and against Peter Pollock Graham Pollock you name it so we had a very strong group um, and we used to share we used to share ideas so I was like an absorber of information I, I was never destined to be a great cricketer my dad when i played for sa varsities and bowled two bounces in one over said to me that night i never thought you would ever be a fast bowler i was too sort of easy going and but i developed uh, when i bowled i was um i was quite um determined you know that's an understatement i i mean you uh, are you are a sort of gentle giant because you're softly softly spoken off the field and a very kind person and obviously, I'll, I'll get on to that because I know one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to have you on today was to talk about your work in the community uh, in Cape Town and the incredible impact that has had in in the, in the township that you're associated with. But, but before that, just to talk about your on the field, you were quite aggressive, actually. I mean, you were quite, I think, you know, sort of an ogresome image, uh, which w you weren't like that off the field. But you were, I think, you were pretty intimidating to face. I hope so. I mean, you can't, you, you have to be, you know, if you, I remember Procky coming into bowl to me when I was quite young, you know, this guy kicking himself off the side screen, hair flapping and just looking fantastic. Um, so you had to be in the batsman's space. You had to glare at him. He, you had to, he had to know you were serious about getting him out. Mm. Um, but, you know, the way it was done, I didn't bowl a great bouncer. I mean, I did bowl bouncers, but they weren't particularly horrific. But I think it was just accuracy and trying to sort of work out to contain him completely, mm. to diffuse his abilities. So, And that was the strength. I mean, in the 80, year of 1980, 
I was lucky enough to play against Kavasta, lucky enough to play against Glenn Turner. They both got hundreds against me and a number of other really great players. We only played one match against the West Indies, which we didn't do too well. So we didn't really bowl too much because I think they had to score about 90 or 100. Um, but you played against the best in the world over there. It was a great um, source of joy for me because I read about these guys um, always. I'm a great reader, so I used to go back to the 1890s, 1920s. And these people from Pakistan, India, West Indies particularly, who are greatly admired. My heroes were Alec Betzer and Wes Hall. Know, and I'm lucky enough to meet them both. And I sort of fashioned myself as a glump of, of those two, you know, trying to be accurate and then trying to be pretty aggressive. I mean, Wes Hall to me was dynamite. Mm. And yet when I met him, he's not exactly, wasn't exactly the biggest man, was he? You know, he's like, you know, you shrink a bit, I think. Mm. Oh, wow. I loved it. Yeah, he was, he was a fantastic bowler, wasn't he? Uh, of course, the interesting thing for you, the interesting experience for you as well, was that you came to, to counter cricket sort of slightly later in your career, but uh, your opening partner for Middlesex that summer was Wayne Daniel from Barbados. Yeah. So that was an interesting kind of juxtaposition, given, you know, you were still living Absolutely. through apartheid and so on. So how was that? How was that, you know, how was that experience? Well, the, the dynamic was extraordinary because... I think fast bowlers are generous, generally quite generous people off the field. And I, I remember our first game, you hadn't got into the team yet, it was against Knotts. He got four wickets, I got four. But I remember getting my first wicket. He ran across from five legs and jumped into my arms. Now, that was amazing. Seriously amazing. So it was a total acceptance. Then we go down to Scarborough. Were you playing at Scarborough? No. Fred Tipmas actually played, it was in his fifth decade. And the crowd bayed at Wayne and I, the diamond, because they couldn't work out the relationship between a white South African and a black West Indian. And in the third day, when Bluey Bester actually scored 145 and almost saved the game, a number of the crowd came up to us and apologized to us. They said, I'm sorry, because it was quite racist you know, in its own um, dynamic. And so we didn't realize you were genuinely good, genuinely good friends. And you remember, uh, I'll tell you a lovely story about Wayne. I presume I can say it on that. Um, Wayne, I came to Maidstone after two years of being away. And I, you guys were playing a 2020 game, or one of you call those Sunday league games. And he came off the field and he said, so, so typical, he said, Vince, I've had a, cartoon in my bag waiting to see you and he opened it up and it was two yobos with come off holly davidson's with fat guts and chains walking into a pub and behind the pub owner had free mandela on his t-shirt and they said we'll have two pints of mandela please which is just lovely it's typical of him he was the most glorious of men i can't tell you how much I really loved him. He was very special individual and did a wonderful things for you guys. Yeah, it, it was an amazing um, opening partnership, which I was lucky to sort of follow it a little bit as a 20-year-old. I mean, just come on as first change, you know, no wonder I took a few wickets because 
The, go- oh, the, the, bets, well. the bets, well, the bet, the batsmen were absolutely kind of cowering in their boots, and they saw me come on. I thought, well, hey, here we go. Uh, but but uh, it, it was Wayne Wayne Daniel's sort of ferocious pace and your hostility and bounce and persistence. I mean, what a fantastic combination that was. It was it was memorable stuff. So, so tell us what you've done since, uh, just just briefly um, before we well, get to your. Before we get okay, to your very, uh, very impact quickly, in the community, I, you know, during that time we were amateur. The only time I ever got paid for cricket really was the Middlesex. So we always had jobs. I was a teacher. I just moved across from teaching into Wiggins Teep, was a paper merchanting company based in the UK under BAT. And I started as a rep. The um, only reason I got to England was. JT Murray and Don Bennett came out, and my boss, who I just joined, happened to be a Middlesex supporter of 1949 and saw the famous Edrich and Compton's Golden Summer. And so they persuaded him that I should go over, and I could actually um, go to a couple of mills that were owned by Wiggins Deep, and I eventually ended up doing a, a week's course there. So I went back to that job and I eventually ran the company after quite a long time. Um, and then, you know, I'm not a financial genius and I'm not a financial man. I like the human spirit basically. So I joined one of our clients and then I went and became director of cricket in South Africa for three years before going to the ICC. And that was it. Came back at the age of 67. So I joined ICC when I was 60. I was quite an old bloke. And I came back here and then really had a sort of, I had a cancer issue. So for a year I was off the charts and then I wanted to find some purpose. So I started what I do, Massey Sports in Massey Pomerela. And before that, you, you, you looked after the ICC sort of umpires for a bit, didn't you? Umpires and referees. So it was, it was fascinating because I was privileged to be involved in the global game. So, you know, I was due to tour the West Indies in 1971 and never got there, not uh, Australia, and never got there because uh, we were isolated. And eventually got there um, a long time later, went to the West Indies, spent a lot of time in Asia and learned great lessons in Asia um, about being accepted and outsider being accepted. Not the fact that I was from South Africa or white, I was just an outsider and how long it takes for them, the Asians, as, as well as the black communities in South Africa, to trust an outsider. Because they're so tired of people coming and either feeling superior on what to do. And so the lessons I learned in Asia were very important to the work I do in the township of South Africa. Yeah, so uh, so tell us about that. So how did you get involved in that? Uh, um, before you do, by the way, I, I should just mention you're speaking today from Bishop, which is on the Cape Peninsula. Um, yeah. I, those who are watching this in video can see this, but go on, just give us a quick uh, sh- a, a glance at where you're where you are positioned. Okay, so we have a we have a view from heaven. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, so Bev's got, a, my wife's got a B&B called Heaven Sent. And if I, just tell me if I'm doing this right. Yeah. 
Well, I can see the ocean and blue sky and mountains and a beach and a few little roofs. You know, there's not many houses between you and the sea. It's absolutely amazing. The whole of Force Bay. It's it's a ridiculous view. Yeah, it's stunning. Uh, Amazing. And it's close to where you're doing your essential work it's, it's, it's three kilometers away so so tell us how you got involved in that community and what the state of it was and and how it all okay. came about and we should mention by the way that mc the, the mcc foundation that runs around 64 hubs in england and various ones in other parts of the world as well were quite influential in supporting this this uh yes this I'll, campaign. I'll get to those uh very briefly i came out of um so for about a year and i just thought god i've got to do something you know um so i phoned a guy called brad being around sporting chance and i said brad um i'm happy to be a pro bono coach for you and go and work in some of your workshops or whatever and he phoned me about a week later and said listen there's a school in Masipomalera called okanya and okanya wants to start cricket in that area they had some cricket before but it fell apart so I went to the school. Now, I used to be a teacher, okay? So I taught at high school for about 10 years. So I'm very sensitive. First of all, I love dealing with kids, and I'm very sensitive to the feel and dynamics of a school. And then sat down in this poor township, 50,000 people in half a square kilometer, 50,000 people in half a square kilometer. And I sat there in this poor community, 70% unemployment, 24% HIV, AIDS. And there's that one netball court. And as this kid tripped across the um, netball court to go to school, she was slightly late, beautifully dressed. She was singing and skipping. And I thought, wow, here's a kid coming to school from this impoverished environment, happy. So I started, it took about a year and a half, as it does, those are my lessons of Asia, to infiltrate myself and develop a level of trust with the school governing body, the schools and the community. And then I went, I was part of the MCC World Cricket Committee, invited on by Brailers. And I had sort of challenged some of the committee to say, I know you're involved with um, wonderful programs, but I think we all should be involved in a program that we have our hands dirty, that we actually work with. So they said to me the next day, okay, big boy, you go out and do it. And so I spoke with Derek Brewer and Brealers, and Derek Brewer was fantastic, and he took about nine months to, for the MCC to be willing to give me 50,000 pounds over a three-year period to be startup capital. And there we started. But you know, Yaza, as you know with your life and I know with my life, you should start somewhere and your whole pathway just grows and keeps growing. After five years, it is still growing. So what started as a school program became a sports program, then became a facility building program, then became a life skills training program, then became development of coaches. So all our coaches come from the community and they are excellent. And we have eight sports. Now we also have um, hip hop dance, which I only found out recently is a, is an Olympic sport. Would you believe we do have chess? We have a choir. 
and we're introducing this term art for the first time. So this is an holistic program to develop the individual. It's just like, I'm not sure whether you would agree with me, but I for many years thought cricket changed my life, and it did in a way, but what changed my life was learning life skills that cricket taught me. Discipline, sociability, teamwork, looking after others, helping, caring, working hard. Um, and so those are the qualities, I believe, that develop proper, full, positive human beings. There's three things, really. There's sport and, and passionate pursuits, playing a violin, painting, whatever. There's your life lessons and there's education. And in the end, I think the most important one of those three things, even though they're integrated like a marriage, are life skills. I think the ability to deal with people, the ability to see your future, those are the things that really count. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So tell us about the uh, the situation you found the school in. You said it was an impoverished yeah. community, uh, no sports facilities. Okay. There was okay. quite a lot of, uh, I think, violence, uh, boy yes. on girl. Um, you know, quite yes, a bit of a, a okay. bit of a problem with with being a girl in that environment and yes, what is. did you find and how has it changed okay so when i got there there was one coach there was one um called the only sport that was played against other schools was um was netball so we put in three cricket nets 240 by 20 astro turfs and one big field 60 by 30 with blades of astro play soccer and rugby there teams we have 800 people playing sport after school. We've got 550 who take their sport very seriously. And we've infiltrated the staff. So 11 of the staff volunteer free. And they don't get paid much. And they, you know, they live in a poor environment to help us coach because they see the joy of the people's faces. The other thing which is important is litter. Litter was horrific when we got there. We never made a thing of it. But because they developed discipline through sport, litter disappeared. It's the most amazing thing. When I got there, I, I don't know if other teachers would agree with me, but we found that at the, in the township, 10-year-old girls always beat 10-year-old boys in a sprint. And the 10-year-old boys would always get very uptight and push the girls over and hurt them. 
And I spoke to the, the um, coaches about this, and we agreed we would just let sport take its course. That doesn't happen anymore. We focus on two things other than sport and life skills and education. Two things. One is gender equality. So all our teams are mixed except rugby, even though we're starting to get girls playing rugby. All those other sports are mixed. So they're girls in our cricket team. They're boys in our netball team. Um, they're girls doing cycling, etc., and And all the other sports. So that was the one. And that has created... I'll give you an example. We played against uh, Generations, which is the private school up the road. And our front line of our soccer team were all girls. Beat them 9-0. And who scored the goals? The girls. So the boys backed them up and the girls scored. Now that leads to respect. Experience gender equality. It's not, you can't teach life skills in a classroom. They have to experience the humiliation of defeat and the glory of victory and what hard work means. And that's what sport and other pursuits can give them. Mm. And the other one we work on is social cohesion. Uh, I was lucky enough just to pop across to America to see someone literally last week. As you know, in America, you can't have a conversation about Trump because the people are either Republicans or Democrats. It's impossible to have a conversation, to actually agree on things, to compromise, to discuss. And it, that is a worldwide issue. Brexit was the same. Well, in this country, we have divides, and the divides are education, residential, opportunity, racial, religious, wealth, you name it. We've got every divide. And part of our problem is we don't talk and we don't share. So what we do is we play sport against other schools, and we mix with them, and we talk to them, and the staff integrate. And in the junior school and high school, which we're starting to operate now, um, which is great, for example, in the high school, we have three kids under 16 who play in the Fisher Cricket Club second team. In the junior school, we've got 14 kids who play in their youth group on a, on a Saturday. And in rugby, we do the same with their youth group. And that's important because those clubs are totally mixed, whites, coloreds, and blacks. There aren't many Indians in this area because that's mainly in the town. And they get to know each other. So when they leave school, they can keep members of this club and work with society, a general society. So, I mean, you, you'd understand the problems in South Africa. I don't go into the detail of that, but we haven't really moved on as far as division goes. We still have the townships. We still have lacking opportunity. Uh, the, the education in the black schools is appalling. Um, 87% is below average. So you've 20... basically got massive inequality still then, really? Yes. I, 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 one more last example, just as a stat that will shatter you. 94%, 94% of schools do not have sport after school. We've won three cricket, rugby World Cups. We've been number one of three different formats of cricket from 6% of our schools, the 25,000. So all we can do, and this is where it's difficult, we can't change the world, but we can start the ripple. We can start doing something which is meaningful. Mm. And then hopefully we've got two schools, one in the Eastern Cape, one just up the road in Westlake, who have followed our process. 
and the Department of Sports are bringing in five guys. We're going to do a workshop with them to explain how you can introduce sport to the school at a very cheap price. One of the reasons so, I, I obviously think it's a, a, a kind of pivotal moment for South Africa, perhaps, is because, uh, you know, obviously the, the work you're doing is starting to have a ripple effect, but but also we've got the recent announcement of the T20 uh, new league starting in January, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is that all the teams have been bought by IPL franchises. Oh. I, I mean, you know, A, is that a good thing? And B, do you think that will help cricket penetrate society more effectively and have the sort of inf- impact and Im- effect that, that your uh, your campaign, your your policies have been providing? Whether we, we both and everyone knows that India is the major force in cricket worldwide. And if you don't have some sort of links there, which Graham Smith and sort of Ganguly had, which allowed us to have the tour, you have difficulty. So that gave us considerable injection of cash. And this will give us considerable injection of cash. Um, And this country is not economically strong enough to sustain an IPL-type environment. We just don't have the economy to do that. And we don't have the leadership to do that. So, And I'm talking leadership as in general for for the country. Um, If you said it's a good thing, yes, it is a good thing right now because it's going to be an injection of money. I think it's not going to really change anything from the um, grassroots point of view. But the could, but could is, they though? I mean, could could they have that impact? Could could you know an IPL team get some community schemes going and you know get yes, a bit of no, momentum? The IPL are. I'm, I mean, I'm involved in talking to. Uh, I've been asked to be involved in talking to someone in next week on that. How that goes, I don't know. So they will have an impact. But the important thing is the lasting value is for us to create capacity within the township. So as long as that impact is not um, one of the great players coming in and having a net, it's better that they work with the coaches and the teachers to ensure that when they go, that impact remains. So that's part of our sort of mantra, is to develop the capacity within the township. I call ourselves interventionists. What, what is Massey Sports? We coming in, providing something to them, showing them opportunity, getting a glimpse of what life could be like. So, to tell you, Massey is in Fishhook. So, it's between Komiki and Fishhook. It's about two and a half kilometers from the sea. 25% of the township have never seen the sea. We're 45 minutes from Cape Town. Over 50% of the township have never been to Cape Town. So they're very cloistered. So we have to break them out and produce the social cohesion so they can see their own futures. Not the future of cricket or rugby, but see their own personal futures. That's the only way we can change this country. Amazing. Are you seeing, you know, you've been doing this now for a few years. Five years. So have you seen the fruits of, of the, of oh, the yeah. labours? You know, what kind of case yeah, studies? I are can there? tell you stories, um, Yaza. Um, stories of kids. There's just one. I'll, I'll send you a video once we've got the link. We just released it. Of, of a child who's 12 years old 
who um, or, or Vio, who lives in the shack on the wetlands, which is the poorest part of Masi Pomelena. Masi Pomelena has wealthy and poor like any community. This is the poorest part. She's brought up by an unemployed single mother. And she came and joined our soccer team. Within a m- month and a half, the confidence within her is absolutely extraordinary. And you'll see in the video that when she's talking to the coaches, she's talking like this, absolutely confident. Whereas she was teased a month and a half, she doesn't get teased anymore. Now, that's a small win. How she's going to develop when she's 21, I don't know. But I do know she now understands her own personal strength. And I can tell you examples of a 15-year-old girl, Zola, watching rugby and thought, why is it only boys? So she joined. She's now plays for False Bay under-16 youth. She's an under-16 cricketer. He suddenly came out of nowhere, almost made the Western Province girls team. I think I'm getting a bit like a, an evangelist, you know. I really believe in this stuff, totally, absolutely. No, you can, you can definitely hear it in your voice. So, you know, just, just to finish, I mean, obviously that, that's a fantastic uh, contribution to society. What about, uh, well, what about the wider nation, South Africa as a whole? Uh, give, give us a sort of sense of where the cricket is now. You know, they've had. You know, you've had quota systems to deal with, and different yeah. governing body uh, chairman, and all sorts of. Uh, it's always been in yeah. flux a bit. So, where do you think South African cricket is now? I think it's in a better state as far as leadership goes with our board, uh, Lawson and I do, and they've got some really good independent directors, and they seem to be leading us better. Um, it's going to take time, I think, for the the players to have total confidence because they've been disappointed for so long. You know, you don't just switch on confidence like this, but I think they are working with them well. The Players Association, I know, get on well with the chief executive, and that's the change. You know, the previous chief executive felt the Players Association was just a union and really all this stuff is made by the board and they should just listen to the board. The players themselves, we are, I think, work in progress. You know, we have good games, bad games. You've just seen those in England in the ODIs where you have a shocking game and then the first game was fantastic. Um, as far as the quota goes, um, we've, we were slightly better off, funny enough, about two years ago. Um, a lot of the batsmen coming through are not from all demographics. So that's something they have to work through as you will see from the teams that are being picked over there. But we have some wonderful role models. I mean, Ngidi, Rabada, Bavuma are exceptional role models. So I think the work that they do outside the community, you know, I mean, Bavuma's got a foundation like Sia Khaleesi. And there are a lot of people from every demographic doing that. So I think that's going to bring it through. Because... People in the townships need to see the role models yeah. and work with yeah. them. I was going to Not say, I was going to say that because I, I don't know. Does does cricket penetrate the townships yet? Yeah, but you know, if you're looking at sports, soccer, netball are number one and two. Rugby has become very popular because of the World Cup, mm. but cricket is, I would think, number four. Mm. Might have that. Someone might disagree with me, but I think. 
Cricket is was when I was with Cricket Society the second most popular cricket sport in South Africa. Whether rugby has gone past it, I really don't know. But we're in a better space now, and I think the IPL will help us get a financial injection. We've been pretty shy of making profit on a yearly basis. We've been dipping into our capital from the past, I think. So we are in a better space, and I think we better regarded by the global community, which is just as important. You know, not, it's not just India. India and South Africa have a relationship that goes back to Mandela. You know, they have Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi. You can't have two better world leaders. And they develop similar sort of processes. And there's a deep respect. So I'm glad that has sort of filtered down over the years into cricket, which I think is very important to us. So I think in the short term, having India with the IPL is going to be great. It's mm. going to give us money. They're going to do some work in the townships. Mm. But it's what the people in the townships and the people that surround them do that count. I promise you, Simon, if you walk through the streets of South Africa, or in Cape Town anyway, I haven't been to Joburg for a while, there's a camaraderie between people across um, colors or religions. It doesn't really matter. So the people on the ground are in good shape. It's the economy and our political leaders which are, which are not going great at the moment, and that we have to get right. Leadership is a big issue. Does it in worry that, you at all for the game that uh, the South African board have decided not to play some internationals in Australia so that all the leading players are available for your new T20 competition? Well, it's the same as the IPL being provided a window. I, I think that is a, not just a South African issue. I think what we're talking about is a global issue on cricket. You know, why can't we have, uh, we just had this MC World Cricket Committee. You know, there are lots of different views got there. My view was that we needed to have a window of just test cricket, where you don't go from domestic league to T20. People get so confused. You know, when you hook into a World uh, World Cup rugby. It's rugby in the World Cup. You do that with soccer. You do that with um, Wimbledon and Australian Open. Mm. And we are just now a hybrid. We don't know where the hell we are. We don't know who our he certain heroes are playing for. Um, so I really feel like they seem to have produced a window for the IPL. We should have a window for Test cricket. And we should cut down the sizes on, of Test cricket. It's, it's not so much the domestic league. It's what are you going to strategize for T20? Are you going to leave it as domestic or are you going to use the cash cow of the ICC T20? At the moment, there's nothing wrong with having three formats. I was in a, I was in a taxi um, in, in London recently, and the taxi cab, because they always got such fine wisdom, said, you know, you guys have got it right. You have kept going with the new generations. I took my 12-year-old daughter to six hours at Lords of seeing the girls' game and the boys' game. She said she's hooked. And she couldn't get hooked on a test match. And I understand that. We've got to remember that bit of it. But I think we've just got to sort out the structures. And our problem is, as you know, we've got a member-based um, board at the ICC. So it's very difficult for them to look at the global issues. And we have to bed that down. So I don't think this is a South African issue. I think this is a global issue. And you've got grandchildren. Um, would, you, uh, would you encourage them to be a fast bowler? 
I'm trying to persuade my granddaughter here to be a fast bowler. Uh, there's a friend of mine, David Dyer, who's just been over to England. His grandchild there is a lightning fast bowler. She's about 12. And I think girls and boys, um, I think girls to be a fast bowler will walk into a team. I think being a, a girl in cricket is really good because you can start cricket at 15, as there's so many examples, and play for your country at 19. Being a boy, that's not possible. So girls cricket can really encourage good athletes to go through the system. And also when they get mothers, they'll follow the game, so it'll enhance the game. The boys is different. I mean, it's <laughs> a good question, Simon. I prefer my, my grandkids to be a good-looking dude, fielded first slip and bat number four, you know. <laughs> but um, the discipline I learned and the love I had playing fast bowling was great. Well, fascinating to listen to your your story, and uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you for for all you've done for the game so far, and I'm sure we'll continue to do for society. South Africa is a unique country, which I, yeah. I think I'm sort of I was privileged to experience a little bit of. Yes, that, yeah. that, actually, that cricket in the the 1980s, early 80s, was the Curry Cup cricket was probably the easily the most competitive cricket I've ever played yeah. with the standard of each team. And uh, let's hope that you can get back to that, I guess. Yeah, I'd like to say this, though, Yaza, just so you people don't think I'm doing amazing things. There are hundreds and thousands of people doing what I do here. Um, I, I owe cricket a huge debt. So I don't feel I'm entitled to anything. Cricket has done amazing things for me, given me huge opportunities. And so the work I do is just joyful and a pleasure. Well, what an amazing man Vinny is. Incredible contribution to cricket and society in general and so much energy, actually, as well. Um, whatever he eats, I want some of it. Uh, he's a fantastic man and the, the work he's done at Massey Stars, you can look that up, actually. Uh, it's, it's really uh, brilliant. And by the way, uh, we've mentioned uh, the MCC Foundation. Actually, they're staging the finals of the Hub competition on Saturday at Lord's. There are about 60 hubs around the country which the MCC run uh, for kids sort of 15 and over to play cricket. Uh, they've had a 20-week competition this year. The boys' final at Lords is Newcastle Boys' Hub against Nottingham Boys' Hub and the girls' final is Bolton against Guildford. And those uh, matches, T20 matches, are on on Saturday at the HQ Lords uh, starting at 11 uh, free entry, so you can go and uh, look that out. The MCC patron Mike Gatting and the MCC Foundation patron Mike Brearley will both be there, as well as Claire Connor, the stand-in uh, head of the ECB for the moment. And it'll be a, a lovely day of young, aspiring cricketers performing on the greatest ground in the world. So, brilliant thing to attend. And thank you for the MCC Foundation for work they do in that context so that's it for this week uh, we will be reviewing the t20 series between england and south africa on monday after the last game on sunday it was exciting that first match uh, looking forward to tonight as well so we'll speak to you after that thanks for listening Podcast Network. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.